0: Today's read, Midnight, A Gangster Love Story by Sister Soldier. Chapter 8, Upstate New York. Funny thing is, when people support you in a business, even though you have given them a great product in exchange for their money, they want you and your business to support them in other ways too. So when one of my mother's clients organized a bus trip to an upstate New York farm for apple picking and purchasing fresh plucked vegetables and fresh squeezed juices, Uma decided that our family would attend. It was the fall season. Although we had come to the United States years before, it was our first trip outside of our hood and our five borough business area. Two and a half hours into the trip, we exited the highways and the rural countryside appeared on the other side of our bus window, presenting me with a picture completely different than my Brooklyn urban view. There were enormous trees with multicolored leaves that were part green, red, red, orange and yellow. They floated down from the tree branches and danced to the ground where they formed waist high piles on some narrow roads. We were surrounded by the colors of autumn. There were houses, none of them masterpieces of architecture, but sitting on land with large spaces between them. There were broken down barns and cows and sheep and goats and horses. Four-year-old Najah was fascinated with these animals, which she was seeing for the first time in her life. Her little face and hands were pressed against the glass. Uma was excited and relaxed, speaking softly and explaining everything to Najah in Arabic. Najah would speak Arabic to Uma and then turn to ask questions in English to me. As the bus bumped up along Rocky Dirt Road and onto the farm the women put away their snacks and sandwiches, cleaned their children's hands and faces, and walked off the bus and onto the farm together. I told Uma I would meet them back on the farm in an hour. One of the few males on the trip, I preferred to take a look around this completely new area. On a paved black road with no sidewalks or curbs, I kicked through a pile of leaves. Walking alone on the road, seeing no one, nowhere, I stopped, then stood still. I wasn't losing my mind. On my Brooklyn block, standing still was a luxury I couldn't afford. I looked up through the trees and into the skies. The sun was beaming through the colored leaves and small open spaces, creating a kaleidoscope. I listened to the sounds of nature, the way we used to back home in my grandfather's village. I could hear the subtle sounds of the mosquitoes, knowing they were dying out for the season. I could hear the music of the birds flying south. I could hear the wind breezing through the grass. I could hear the deep moan of the cows and stutter of the goats. A mile down the road I came upon a horse farm. About eight of them were grazing on some grass behind a rusted barbed wire fence. I stopped to take a good look at one of them that stood about 15 feet from me. Horses are big and imposing creatures. I couldn't even imagine what Allah was thinking when he created them. Allah is the ultimate designer, I thought. How amazing to think up and then bring into existence thousands of different kinds of creatures Each one unique and awesome on its own. Look at the difference between a horse and a camel, I thought to myself. The horse's skin was more smooth and tight, its body more streamlined. Allah filled the horse's eyes with mystery. It seemed like they knew something that humans did not know, yet there was no real way for a human to decipher what a horse was thinking and feeling. <laughs> I laughed at myself. Ten minutes in the countryside and my thoughts were filled with Allah. Back home in my building, I can only feel Allah in my prayers, but not in my surroundings and never outside of our apartment. When I look down at the plants, I thought of my father, a scientist. He would know something about each of these plants, not just about their beauty, but their use. He could also look at a field that others would describe as being empty and create a vision in his mind of what it could be, then make it happen. I saw him do that before back home. He brought me with him to areas that his business developed. Soon I arrived at a plot of land that had a house for sale. There were no curtains, shades, or blinds in any of the windows. From where I was, it appeared to be empty. I wondered if I could stand to live out here. I had spent summers in my grandfather's village, but it was not only the nature that made it great. It was the people, the brothers, and sisters, the cousins, friends, relatives that made it incredible. It was the music, the gatherings, the talks, the sports, and even the work that made it a life. I pulled my pen and pad out from my army green jacket and jotted down the telephone number of the realtor. If anything, I just wanted to call and find out how much a piece of property out here would actually cost Uma and I already knew that we had to move off our Brooklyn block we talked about it often and had a plan we were saving up to buy a house with our cash we agreed that until we had enough money to pay for the house in full we would remain on our Brooklyn block working hard and saving our profit. No tricky realtor with tricky fees. No mortgage bankers or bloodsuckers who a person had to pay for 30 years of their life. No astronomical interest rates and shit that switched up in the blink of an eye and after the shake of two hands. No more monkeys in the middle, loans, leases, or debts. To the right, I came upon a pebbled path. I could hear some people talking for the first time in four miles. They were inside a graying building with a weathered sign that read Blacks. Somehow, that meant me, so I walked up the path and pushed through the antique door with the we're open sign hanging from one rusty tack. It had been cool outside, but was mad hot in here. It was a blacksmith shop with one big, older white man covered in black grease, banging what looked like a heavy, all-metal hammer on a piece of iron, then poking the iron into an open oven, shimmering with intense heat and orange flames. You need horseshoes, the teenage boy who emerged from the corner asked me. Nah, I answered. Then what you come here for? He asked me in an unfamiliar accent. Just looking, I told him My eyes taking in all of the iron and steel The intense fire and heavy tools I wondered to myself Why horseshoes? This place seemed like it had the right equipment and tools And was the perfect place to make weapons Where are you from? The youth asked me His father or boss kept working Just visiting the apple farm four miles down I answered without giving up no real info. "'Yeah, I know the place,' he said casually. "'Let me show you something,' I said as I reached into my left pocket and pulled out a small book I had been reading. He stepped up closer to take a look. I went to page 66, which had an illustration of a Japanese shuriken, a wicked-ass knife that I wanted. "'Do you think you could make one of these?' I asked him. He took my book into his hands and got a spot of black grease on the page and answered, "'Yep, we could. What you want it for?' I ignored his question. "'If I ordered a set, how much would it cost me?' He looked back at the older man who, aside from a quick glance, didn't seem interested at all. "'I could do it for you. A set of four for a hundred but I knew that the older guy would be a better craftsman. I was concerned about the quality and the dynamics of the knives. I wanted them to be exact. Nah, I'd rather him do it, I nodded to point out the older guy. The boy laughed a little insulted. He'll double the price, he warned. I creased the page and tore it from my book. I handed him the page with a $100 bill as a 50% deposit on double the price. "'How long before he can have it ready?' I asked. "'A couple of days,' he answered. "'I'll be back to pick them up. Hold them for me,' I told him firmly. "'You better come back. Once my father works the iron, you gotta pay up in full. "'You can't get no deposit money back if you change your mind,' he threatened." I seen he needed to feel like a boss over me, the customer. I wanted the product, so I played along with it. Here's 50 more. Just let him do a good job on it, I said calmly. Now that more money was changing hands, I saw the youth's father paying attention. Uma. Naja and I made the Zur prayer on the farm right before sunset with the violet sky as our ceiling and the trees as our walls. It felt completely peaceful. The passengers on the bus waited eight extra minutes for us. When we raised from our prayers, we could see them watching us through their windows. When we boarded, they all had odd-looking expressions on their faces as we walked down the aisle. Maybe they had never seen a family pray before. I don't know. Thirty minutes into the ride, they loosened up and were back to acting normal. Eating apples, playing cards, kids clapping, and an older lady passing around a hat to take up a collection to tip the bus driver. I thought to myself, Maybe these people thought that we were strange. It didn't matter though, because after the prayer, they definitely showed us respect. What started out as a bother and an obligation turned out to be a great trip. At first, Uma and I worried about losing an entire Saturday, which was the biggest workday for her side business. Now, We not only got some fresh vegetables and fruits that grew up from the ground and hung down from the trees and were picked by Uma's hand the way she liked it, I also had a lead on a house for sale. When I gave the realtor a call that same week, at first he didn't want to talk to a kid on the telephone. I was 12. I told him my parents didn't speak English and that I was translating for them. He switched from being angered to only being a bit impatient. He priced the house at $62,000. He also offered to sell us the empty plot of land beside it for 20000 Through Uma Designs, in two years, we'd banked $24,000. We agreed that when we had enough money to walk in and buy a whole house, and the land it sat on we would disappear from our brooklyn block quietly no one would know where we had gone why or most important how the shuriken turned out sweet they were curved knives with a fist grip one graceful swipe at a neck at the right angle and the head comes off.